0: We made this, ladies and gentlemen. It was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Red and Buried Podcast. I'm Sarah.
1: I'm Frankie,
0: and we have the lovely Sally Ann Martin with us this evening. So, welcome, Ooh. Sally. Would oh, you prefer Sally or Sally Ann? Sorry, uh, Sally Ann.
1: Lovely. Welcome, Sally Ann. Thank you. So excited to have you with us, Sally Ann, because I mean, I've got a little bio, as you know. Uh, Sally Ann, I know, has listened to our podcast, so she knows the score, how we do a little bio that Sarah takes no accountability for. <laughs> but, and I'll just quickly read. I have to say, not enough information about you on the internet yet, Sally Ann. You may need to change it.
2: Uh, okay. Maybe how <laughs> I <I'll> like it.
1: <laughs> don't worry I, I filled in the gaps it's fine so <laughs> sally Ann Martin is an English writer and author her debut novel The Clinic is out in the UK on the 27th of October set in an ex-asylum is described as an absolutely addictive psychological thriller and asks the question would you go to a beauty clinic that promises to transform your life if you're prepared to put the work in dun 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 that wasn't written down I, I added <laughs> it dun dun Outside of writing, sally Ann lives with her family in the northwest of England on a beautiful farm full of adorable pigs and dogs. As well as being an all-round lovely and kind person, she enjoys vegan food, horror films, and generously giving up her free time to chat to silly podcasters. Mm -hmm. And that was actually not a reference to Sarah and I, that's the House of Hammer boys (laughs) I was referring to specifically.
0: Um, I would just like to say that that bio has thrilled me because Frankie eternally takes the piss out of me for eating mostly vegan. So I feel like I've got some
1: support now. No, no. It's mainly because Sarah spent right. you about back-track, ten back-track, years. Keep
2: backtracking.
1: No, no. I was yeah. going, going to give context. Can we give some context? Because before Sarah uh, explored veganism, she was the hardest, meanest critic of vegans for the longest time. So it was more. It's more a comment on Sarah's hypocrisy. She was, was the meanest to animals for years. <laughs> She's,
0: She's always her, kicking like, them, eating it. them. No, I promise. <laughs> no animal cruelty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. Apart from when they have to listen to us record your yes. cat.
0: Yes. Yeah. So was that vaguely accurate, sally Ann? Yeah, it was very accurate. All correct. Well done, Frankie. Yeah. No, Thank I'll you very much. I can explain that, especially the lovely
1: bit. Yep, that, that's the most true part of the whole thing. Because I have had the pleasure of meeting sally in person. You'll never guess where, Sarah.
0: Oh my god, I can't imagine.
1: <laughs> Harrogate. No
0: way. We'll <laughs> talk about it
1: every bloody week. Yeah, and it was so lovely hanging out with sally Sallyanne, And we also, through funny little podcast circles and listenings and events and things, we've hung out on Zoom calls and various online screenings of things. And yeah, I can attest that in real life, sally is... Equally as cool as she seems in that bio, and it's just a front. It's all just a front, and that's <laughs> why my online presence is heavily edited. You can own it. <laughs> well, you put on a really good front, like a psychopathic level of good. Mm-hmm. So good job. <laughs> so really excited about the clinic. Yes. We haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it's on the top of my TBR as soon as we can get our hands on it because it sounds absolutely brilliant. We don't normally go heavily into book overviews on this one but because yours is probably brand new super exciting and it sounds so good can you tell us a bit about the clinic yeah i'll read you the blurb
2: because i'm better at reading the blurb
1: um and i don't think there; the i thought
2: this would be so handy for you i bet when frankie said we haven't got a copy yet for you to read you're like <laughs> <laughs> i was being passive i'm just say <laughs> i've listened to the <laughs> podcast sometimes." <laughs> <laughs> but this is quite handy my complete lack of organization and nothing having gone out on time
1: so no no you're a busy lady i get it don't worry about but it haven't gone out today i think the arcs have gone
2: out today I so think, get it anytime yeah. now i'll expect next time sarah <clears> speak to you for a full full review you'll test us on that? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> On page 35, of the character <laughs> says, so we'll read the blurb. So, when Pine End
2: Asylum closes in the mid-90s, ex-patient Jenny escapes with all the other patients. Years later, a diet and beauty clinic run by a mysterious female doctor appears in its place and the asylum doors open once again. Suspicious of the doctor, a local developer pays Jenny to return and gather evidence that could see it fall into his hands. Desperate to start a new life by the sea, Jenny agrees and enters the building once more. When she gets there, she finds it's not as bad as when she left. It's much, much worse. Can Jenny get out again or will she
1: find that this time there is no escape? (laughs) Again, did you write that down or did you just add that? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds really, really good. So I know that you have a bit of a fascination with all things like Gothic and particularly the Victorian era with asylums. But what sparked this interest in asylums for you?
2: I worked in one of the last English Victorian asylums in the mid 90s, just as it was about to close. I think I can't remember. What it really oh. opened in about 1902, 1903, and this was 1994 when it
1: closed. And was it a coincidence that you joined and then it closed?
2: <laughs>
1: what did you do?
2: Wrong? <laughs> um, no, Straight they away. did
1: like a mass recruitment thing. I
2: was up north and I wanted to move down south. It was in Saint Albans, even though in the book it's based in the North. The actual asylum I worked in was in Saint Albans, so they did like a mass. Rec- I think they were just taking basically anyone that walked by the door. There was much, much interviewing going on. It really was like an open day. And before I knew it, I was working there. Um, And it was just the strangest place. Those buildings, if you speak to anyone, whether you've been in them or not, I don't know, but it's the buildings themselves that are freaky. You know, it's a really strange Mm. place. And that had thousands of patients back in the day. And by then there were only seven wards open. So then there's a lot of derelict parts to the building. It's very echoey. You're walking on your own down forever, never ending corridors. And so when I worked there, I had no training uh, or very little that I remember. And I was just put in really strange situations, just like a f- complete fish out of water and seeing really dark stuff. So I just remember one day thinking, oh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do when this place closes, but I would never, ever want to be in it again. And if they make it into the most beautiful flats, I wouldn't, would never live in it again. Wow. Again, at all. I didn't live there. i have to say by the end of my time there i honestly couldn't sit the lines were so blurred between whether i needed to just stay there and have treatment or stay there and work because it was it was really quite a difficult place to be for patients as well i'm sure i just hope that things got better for them after that because it just it's a strange building
0: well, that's God. terrifying. Um, <laughs> there is there's um, an ex asylum nearish to us in Surrey, actually, which is mostly derelict now, and it's one of those locations where every time you drive past it, you're like, oh, the stories. That must have come out of there Mm. and it's just eternally fascinating isn't it in a very depressing way don't get me wrong
2: yeah and you think through the years as well I mean none of my book is anything to do with the patients that were there at all Mm. it's a new set of clinic patients and But you think of all the people that were there. There were people still there when I was there in the later years of their life that should never have been there. You know, women that got pregnant, women that had sex out of marriage, even though they couldn't prove that, didn't necessarily have had yeah. a baby. If somebody thought they'd had it, they'd be in there. And then they're there in their 60s, 70s, 80s, institutionalised because they don't know what to do with them then. There's a lot of secrets behind those was
1: yeah because it's basically the the modern equivalent of the of a witch hunt wasn't it where if you had a weird person in your neighbor and you wanted to get rid of them or you had an annoying wife or something just send them off to the asylum yeah. and then that's your problem solved they were
2: very much in the beginning they were built to house everybody together and keep them away
1: and keep them out of sight god dark so you've obviously seen some horrendous things which you know i obviously want to ask a hundred thousand questions about but i also appreciate it's probably quite a sensitive thing but how much of your personal experience has gone into the book Well, I saw them do electric
2: shock therapy. So I did use the chaperone female patients to that. And of course, having not knowing anything about it, I had no medical background and nobody says, oh, this is what we're going to walk you through this. This is what we do. And this, nobody did that. So I would just literally hold a female patient's hand and go, "You know, we're going down here now. And we go together and then they'd have electric shocks open. I'm watching that from no experience. And that's quite a traumatic thing. So I did use that. There's an echo of it in the book. And those kind of things. I it, say it, it's just the building. More than anything, it's the building. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, you're in this massive day room, and in those, I could say good old days because I smoked then. But everybody <laughs> smokes, and the patients, like, so you just can't. It's like a fog. There's huge, mm. <laughs> huge, huge rooms. So that's in it as well. So those kind of things affected it. And just, just my experience,
1: difficult experience of being
2: a staff member there, and how it made me feel. God, it's almost
1: as if that open door policy for recruitment maybe
2: wasn't the best solution
1: to that. I think you know what? I think they were in
2: such, um, it was probably in a little bit of disarray and they just needed people because it was closing down. Obviously, professionals are going to find other jobs, I guess. I don't know for a fact, but I guess people were going off to other places securing work, so it just left a gap. It was an experience and I met some really nice people there. Too. I will say that I had some very positive experiences.
0: And it led to this book, which I'm very excited to read. So,
2: yeah, that's a
1: positive experience.
0: Worth it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And that's I mean, that's a question that was in my head from thinking, I don't know what they're going to do with this place. To then years later thinking, oh, I know what I could do with that place. It never it never leaves you Mm. a building like that. I'm sure that's the same for anybody that walked through the doors, patient or staff. Mm. And so I just sat down and thought, oh, we'll put a beauty clinic and they will put a diet clinic well, i
0: quite really like, like that because it's a complete juxtaposition on the surface isn't it going from like you're saying this dark smoky really miserable building to what i'm guessing is a very shiny clean beautiful place And once you start scratching the surface they could be talking about the book having not read it making pure assumptions yeah, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> you've already passed the test sarah you've already passed excellent <laughs> very good um and also there was because I'd been on fasting retreats and things like that and I'd paid good money to be holed up in a building that I couldn't leave to be fed very little to be over exercised it was kind of you know that's a different kind of very different kind of madness that is a madness and it's up to me that we, we were all mad as women and we've paid to be there so there was that echo of people that have in a locked up building, sometimes against their will. And we were choosing to go into, a, into an old building and pay him for the privilege. Mm,
1: so it, that, that's
2: when the two came together.
1: It is really interesting as well, that kind of that consideration of diet culture and also like the beauty industry and the mental health aspects. Mm-hmm. That the, the, There's probably a Venn diagram of something in the middle where the both, you know, um, an asylum and that kind of clinic do overlap because I think, particularly I think I'm speaking for I'm going to speak for whole, all of womankind for a second, um, particularly our generation of it is diet culture is just ingrained in you from the second you're born. I like to think the next generation it's not as horrendously drummed into you from the second that you start to um on the age of what four or five basically but it is really fascinating just to think about it in that way and when you take a step back like you say and look at part things we've all done I think with dieting in the past and go, oh my God, what was I thinking? That's insane. But it was so normalized back yeah, then. I it? think we
2: still do it because I'm not gonna lie, yeah. it was a kick from me. When I lost a stone in five days at the retreat mm. I went to I was like, yeah, brilliant i thought, hold on a minute this is what you're <laughs> you don't lose that I think I know from friends that teenagers girls women in their 20s oh, it is different now I think I think they don't care much Dude. but we have I have certainly grown up in a in a era of diets so I can tell you just about every diet and it, they're crazy yeah yeah I still find myself if I see an article on something that's magic I'm
1: like okay
2: <laughs> so it, it takes a long time to get out of that if you can
1: yeah no, i think i think we're all all our, our generation is just permanently damaged by it i don't think we're ever going to be fully rid of it as much as you try to embrace body positivity yeah. and i do for other people I like it's great for them but not for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know other people look amazing i don't so that's the eternal I think it's a, it's a
2: whole thing with this friend was talking about who has got the daughter who's in her early 20s they don't care they don't seem to care whereas we dress to cover up and flatter we were always told you dress type they just dress yes. and wear what they want to wear or seem to for the most part five of a yeah. generation where everything you pick is, you know, you used to have those things where you're round shape, pear shaped, square shaped, mm-hmm. and then they'd give you all the clothes you should wear for that. And it, it's insane yeah, now to awful. think about that, but that's still, still yeah. in your head.
1: Yeah, and tying jumpers around your waist and all that. I do that, stuff. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all did that. Christ, yeah. Dark times, mm-hmm. but great reading <laughs>
2: material. <laughs> I mean, it, it fitted, you know, who would put themselves in this building and pay good money. Yeah. A group of women my age who want to lose weight and have beauty treatments.
1: Yeah, when you put it like that, it does sound really good.
0: But, um... <laughs> Slightly appealing. <laughs> Where can I yeah. sign up?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm really curious. So the building that you used to work in is what's it being used for now? Do you know?
2: They're not the main beautiful Victorian bit of it. Is I think it is all flats now. Um, but they're not the re- they're not so pretty wards at the side. They're all knocked down and luxury houses built. Yeah, sounds about it's right. Now, yeah.
0: This is a bit of a tough question, because obviously we haven't got a frame of reference here, but we always ask authors who come on the podcast, if you had to be a character from one of your books, who would you be? So still very interested to hear the answer, so I can sort of yeah, tell retrospectively us about your character. apply the info.
2: Yeah, I did think about this. I'm not sure I'd want to be any of them <laughs> in, um, <laughs> in the clinic, but the one that I've just finished, The cursor of Paleo Craft, is about witchcraft, the protagonist there mm. I'd want to be, her name's Sam. And she's very chaotic in her personal life, but very together in her professional life. And she's a nurse. She's a matron uh, to a residential home. Um, so I'd like to be her because she's cool and she wears cool clothes. And um, she's just a bit, a bit wild. And her, her life's been a bit. She needs to airbrush it. Let's say she like, she's good at airbrushing her life, but she can hold down a day job very well. But I like her.
0: She sounds like she's cool.
2: Yeah, she is cool. But yeah, I thought about it with the clinic, and I, I have to be careful. I can't give too much away. Hmm. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there is
1: one in there I'd want to be. But that's interesting in a way, writing a character that you don't necessarily either like or that their experience of their life is just so far from what you would want for yourself. How do you go about that process of capturing a character that's so alien from, from your comfort zone in that respect? I like
2: them. I like all of them. I like the, the bad one, too. I like her especially. <laughs> but I just wouldn't want to be them. If I could be one, I wouldn't want to be Because they've all got, you know, obviously they're in a place. One's come from the difficult place, Jenny. You know, so her life's not been great because of what's happened to her. Um, and then she's going to a house full of women that are unhappy for one reason or another. So,
1: yeah, it's not
2: they're great to
1: write. And I love the characters. I just wouldn't want to be them. But touching on the writing process, mm-hmm. I know that you, you seem to have an incredible work ethic, by the way. like I always see on Twitter that you're up at 5 a.m., Getting your word count in for the day, mm-hmm. which just blows my mind. So, but how? What do you like best and least about the writing process, and how do you kind of manage it around? Because you also, as we said, have a farm and a family. That's a lot to juggle. How do you approach it?
2: Um, i write full time, so that helps. So a lot of writers have a full time job and write in their spare time. I like most when it's going well. <laughs> I bet everyone will say that. When you love the characters, when you know where the story's going. I don't really plot. I start cancer and all that malarkey. I'm not keen on that phrase but that phrase so I just sit down and I start to write and I'll probably get to about 50,000 words of just writing but then if you come to a halt and you think oh I don't know what's going to happen it's really quite miserable it's tough it sounds really first world problemy I don't know what my characters are going to do now <laughs> um, it's your real
1: problem you, but it's though. a job yeah and I have to
2: get yeah. the words out so if you can't see where the story's going, that's really tough. So you have to step away from it and brainstorm or just take a break and just hope that inspiration comes because I know that writers will throw away a sixty thousand word manuscript and that kills me. <laughs> kills me.
1: You've got to think there's something in there that that's you come why I think
2: all the time. You've come on, girl, think. keep going.
1: Yeah, of
2: course. But when but when you know the characters really well, it can be like the first book I wrote, which isn't the first one to be published was set in 1980 and so I had a great soundtrack to 1980 so I've listened to music called it's just the best I just listened to 1980s music it has a lot of 1980s cultural references um, like TV and then even with the clinic I was listening to Agnes Obel all day long I was in a dark it doesn't sound like fun but I was in a dark (laughs) room with my fairy lights just got pictures of and like a whole lot of hospitals around me so that was fun (laughs) that was fun so that's it but when you come to a story um like my second book was much harder to write because witchcraft's a lot more involved it's got more characters in it and you don't need to do more research that's not so that's harder
1: touching on the 80s for a second there i just feel i have to tell you sarah that sally ann is a mutual abba fan oh amazing <laughs> oh yeah there they are the back there, love there. it yeah little photo bomb yeah because we we had adam on and sarah and adam bonded over a mutual love of mama mia in particular
0: <laughs> oh the film i've never seen the film oh, oh it is amazing. lucky you oh frankie it's
1: a funny thing about people stealing my favorite
2: music <laughs> that makes sense when people take it and try and make it theirs, and so I think that's not yours. Don't do that. It's my. I liked Muriel's Wedding. I did like that because that was just used as a soundtrack. But I don't want other people singing abba I'm sorry.
0: No, I think that's completely fair enough. um
1: I mean, if if anyone's going to do it, at least it was Meryl Streep. I mean, I don't like the film, but nice, I do uh, like Meryl. She's nice. She's away right. from yeah. it.
0: <laughs> what a woman! But, yeah.
1: Like, I do I do agree, because obviously, I don't know if you know this, I uh, feel that way about Kenneth Branagh with Poirot.
0: Um, yeah. I feel like
1: you sacred. own something. You don't want other people yeah. taking it. And it yeah. there. It's, it's just,
2: yeah. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah. That wasn't the answer you expected. Like, Yay! Yeah, <laughs> no. no.
0: I'll, I'll take ABBA as well. I don't think I'll ever forget Frankie's reaction when um, ABBA released some new music last year, and mm-hmm. I was so excited, and Frankie was so horrified by my excitement. <laughs>
1: the thing is, I don't mind the music. It's fine. It's like, I would never actively choose (laughs) to listen to it personally. It's a personal thing. But for me, the thing that disturbs me probably the most about Sarah, and I know Sarah pretty well, and there are many fascinating facets to her personality. (laughs) But the thing I find the most disturbing is that she has watched Mamma Mia about a thousand times. Like there was a point where she was watching it at least once a week. It
0: was lockdown. It was dark times, Frankie. Uh, I just don't know what you
1: get out of it on like a 50th watch. Like what? What new experience do you
0: get? She's just in a daze by then. She's just like out of it. Yeah, yeah. She should be
1: in that clinic. Yeah. You're talking
0: about. Yeah, I mean, what 2020? I was drunk for about nine months solidly, and you know, yeah, yeah what was there to do yeah but
1: to be fair you were talking about Mamma Mia before lockdown happens I don't act oh, like yeah. it's a lockdown thing <laughs> no
0: but the frequent viewing really kicked, really kicked off <laughs>
1: yeah it was like here we go again yeah, yeah
0: exactly 2020 <laughs> so skimming over that <laughs> <laughs> Sally Ann you were mentioning that um about how you found it harder obviously to write the newer book because you need there was much more research getting into it are you a planner or are you a kind of let's see where the characters take me no the <laughs> take.
2: but I did find with this book I had to not so much plan because it was more research because you wouldn't believe how many different kinds of witchcraft there are mm. um yeah. Yeah. and I like whatever I write to be have a foot in reality I didn't want to just make my own version of it so I met with a witch real, a practicing witch and I read quite a bit I watched more films probably than I read and so there was all I was like so getting so confused I'm like oh but what, why can they do that? And those witches can't. And <laughs> what the devil got to do with it? Why is that not Satan? And why is it... Oh, it, write, oh, it a theme? So I met with this witch who is a traditional witchcraft practitioner. And she helped me a lot because I'd read a lot of Wicca, uh, which is more than modern. It's not more than modern day, but it's very popular now. And it's very lovely. I was like, I did online Zoom witchcraft lessons. I thought this is amazing like crystals feeling good a bit like meditation a bit of yoga I was like but this doesn't work for a dark thriller this I need somebody that can curse <laughs> I was like do they really not do that and is this just something from Hollywood so I met with a witch in um, Cheshire and I went this might be really awkward I, said, I don't even know if I should ask you this yes. so, but do you do do you put curses on people and she's like, yeah, we do. In traditional witchcraft, we curse.
1: Brilliant. Did she put a curse on the entire country? Yes. Because <laughs> it feels like it the last few years like that. would make more sense, yeah.
2: But I was talking, wow. I can't remember who I was talking about, about this, but in the 70s, there was a resurgence, which part of the witchcraft story is based set in the 70s and part is nowadays. And, but there's a resurgence because of recession, because crazy governments got in, because of the three-day week, everything was going wrong. And so there was a resurgence of witchcraft. And I think now there will be another one because the cycle's repeating itself. And, of course, there's lack of power for women in the 70s as well. So it gave women more power.
1: I think this, is, this sounds great. Should we start a coven yeah. between
0: us, do you think? <laughs> I, mean, I,
2: think do I, know two, I know two, I was going to say tricks, not tricks, rituals. <laughs> so I actually burnt my carpet. So I'm like the worst it. <laughs> Wow! I did fire in my office, and I forgot. I thought oh, I put the dog bowl because it's just dangerous having a bit of paper burning like that. And I put the dog bowl on the floor, and I burnt the paper in it. I was like, "Ooh, that's that's a bit smelly." And took the thing up, <laughs> it up to the carpet. The dog bowl, so it's like plasticky carpets. So I've got a black stains. So, which finder general comes around I'm screwed. <laughs> I've got actual evidence.
1: Is that a devil mark <laughs> on your carpet. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes, you're in trouble.
2: So, oh, yeah, so sorry, that's really gone off on a tangent. You're asking about plotting. No, I don't particularly. <laughs> I'll go, I'll just write and see where it takes me. And then at some point, I'll go back and go, because I follow the five act structure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The, I follow, I think Will Store, The Science of Storytelling, has been my breakthrough book. And I follow that. So I make sure that somehow it fits in what I've done so far with that. And then I'll start to put post-it notes up and things. But that doesn't happen until about 50,000 words in.
0: like that. I feel like it must be, um it's going to sound really rude. <laughs> I was going to say, it must be quite easy to get bored when you get heavily into a planning process of a novel. Yeah. Whereas this way, it seems like, you know, you're always being surprised. And, oh, yeah, she's doing that. <laughs> it is. It's really cheesy to say,
2: that they do characters just because they don't, obviously it's in your head obviously they're not telling you they're not or living in there going I'm in there. <laughs> thank you um it do, it's in there but that does happen that you're writing and just things taken on a different thing whereas I haven't said in advance well you're going to do that in chapter 42 I guess where you're doing crime where people are doing procedural things they it's a lot different and they have to I'm doing
1: thrillers so I can afford to do that creative license in that mm-hmm. respect i'm really curious this is more from a personal interest so with the witch films you watched which witch film <laughs> uh was the was the best one that you saw or that you found the one you found the most insightful probably and i can't remember what it's called it was a documentary on yeah. the 70s witches
2: mm-hmm. and secret of the witch i think it's called it's a documentary but they were documentaries shown at the time of the actual covens in the north so Manchester. it amazing. shows a woman going in and saying i want to be a witch and that whole process had been initiated and so that was just an eye opener because that was like okay they really were doing that in the 70s and so they've been more helpful but i think i enjoyed i don't remember the names what's that one that you knew i watched with the witch bottle i like that one
1: oh the love Witch. yeah the love witch i like yeah, that's fun the style yeah um, the style is amazing god i want to be her if i could peel off her skin and put it on my skin learn some of my tricks learn some of my tricks <laughs> burn your if I could burn a hole in my carpet and put it on my <laughs> face I would do that um, but yeah just, I, I don't
2: even remember most because I'm terrible at remembering things for a start um but I'd say documentaries have been more useful because I because I want to base things and react with a seed of reality that has said to me okay well this happened or at least people believe that was what was
1: happening Really interesting. Oh, I'm really Sally Ann. You're writing about all the cool stuff. I want to read. So this is amazing. <laughs> I'm really excited for these books. And I know you read a lot as well because you're a big reader. And you know you follow a lot of great people on Twitter and talk about books and things. What was the last book that you read and loved? Things have gotten worse since we last spoke, oh, I Eric Larocca
0: yes i actually
2: i find it hard to finish books i, I have since lockdown found it hard to concentrate but there's been a few that's one of them where i've just read in a day i just started reading yeah it, i just want to get to the end of this yeah because it it's
1: a short one as well isn't it it's a novella
2: yeah there's a new one being published it's got two other short stories in it that's mm. the one i got so
1: there's three stories in all but yeah i thought that was great really dark and really like twisted yeah oh sarah it's super dark but i think you might actually quite like it, it for a it's actually
0: sitting on my TBR. in fact i think it's on my kindle it's yeah. sold
1: right I think I might have uh, bored you about it when I first read it because I was
0: like oh my god that's probably so why awesome. it's on my tbr
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is a really good he writes yeah really dark stuff so that's
2: yeah cool. and I think all the stories on that the the new version that was published in September are all just about people or people trying to fit in the lengths people go to to be part of things I mean that's pretty intense what those two women do or certainly one of them <laughs> yeah. to say the least yeah
1: that's interesting. Does that relate uh, loosely in terms of theme to the clinic about what women are willing to go through in order to fit into a societal kind of picture of womanhood? Yeah, for sure. For certainly, one of the mm-hmm. um, protagonists, um, Amy, is mm-hmm. completely about how
2: she's a, she, how she sees herself, not how everyone else sees her. Yeah, she's a bigger girl, but she's by no means got a problem. But she sees it as a problem. Nobody else thinks it is. Nobody. It's all within her, and it's all from what she's seen, and that's why she's there that's really more like body dysmorphia and again it's exactly what we're saying we you know it's that old meme isn't it I wish I was as fat as what I thought I was 10 years ago and look at the picture oh my god you look mate. like I remember thinking then because like you're saying about wrapping stuff around your waist I used to do that all the time I was wearing slinky dresses so I can't have been but at the time I, d- I remember someone saying to me take that off another girlfriend what mm. are you doing I was like no I need that's my security I want that around my way yeah just ridiculous but yes yeah, certainly I'm trying to think of the other characters in it they're for slightly different reasons but for the main part it's to fit in or to get partners or to look good in a dress you know it's the I look good by Christmas mm. thing so yeah
0: Oh,
1: the shit we put up with <laughs> as women, honestly.
0: I've now gone hurtly in the other direction. I'm sitting here thinking, I looked great 10 years ago. In another 10 years, what am I going to look like if I'm looking back at now and being like, oh, yeah, you looked great then.
1: <laughs> You're still consistent greatness, That's Sarah. It's going
0: to get worse, isn't
1: it? <laughs> oh, it. no. Perfect. <laughs> the only problem is you've peaked too soon, Sarah. Oh, You're yeah. You're the best.
0: What I've always said about myself, yeah.
1: I've always said that about you behind your back. <laughs>
0: I'll take it. I'm sure you've said worse. Anyway, off that topic. Um, sally Ann, another question we always ask everyone. What typical crime thriller genre trope are you pretty sick of at this point? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm sick of it. I don't sick
2: of it. I don't dislike <laughs> any and I'm well aware that this zoom might end any second now when I say this. I'm <laughs> a particular fan of Cozy Prime it's okay okay, it's okay. <laughs> um it's something that I always want to love I can't tell you how many books I've got like prime at Christmas and mm-hmm. like with a rail or a train on the front are clearly meant to be you know it's like a, a takeoff of it they can draw mm-hmm. you in and I love the idea of it I love the ideas of all of it but I just can't get on with it I just I'm just too used to if it's, if I say that I love things have gotten worse since we last spoke and yeah and James Herbert and those kind of very hard crime things. Madhya, you like them too, Frankie. I contain multitudes, Sally-Anne. <laughs> <laughs> You're just one-dimensional in your life. <laughs> I
1: did like The Pale Horse when that was on TV. I did enjoy that. That was a good adaptation. That was a spooky adaptation. They really went with the, the witchy vibe. But not
0: necessarily Agatha Christie, because I haven't read Agatha Christie. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> there I go. Jesus
0: oh, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> unbelievable too, too busy listening to ABBA, I'd imagine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no! Sorry, you've been
0: caught. <laughs> has left the chat.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate it's not for everyone. Yeah,
2: it's not that I dislike. It's, and it certainly isn't. That, I hate it. Isn't I I dislike it? But it's just obviously it's made a big resurgence because of Richard Osman has brought it back mm. into the. Oh,
1: he invented it, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: It's crazy. It's crazy what you can write and probably half people believe that. Oh my God, he's so
1: clever. (laughs) He's clever, but not Mm. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Good luck to him. And that gives a lot of other authors who write that kind of thing a gateway Mm. now. And that's brilliant. So I remember start of lockdown, being at a writer's learning day. And I remember sitting next to a writer. I went, oh, what do you write? I write cosy crime, but it's not really very popular. So it's really hard for me to (sighs) get published. And that was right before Richard Osman. And now I think about her now and wonder if she's sat in like gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Yeah. yeah, I really do hope so. So it's not at all like that. It's just that out of all the crime genres, that's the least likely. But I'll still, I'll still buy it again. I'll buy it and it'll sit by mm. my bed and go. I really want to cozy up by fire and read this. but whether yeah. or not yeah. we'll see, I'm not. I'm not saying never.
1: I'm not saying never. Okay. okay. I'm saying okay. not now. Will you try an Agatha Christie at some point? <laughs> Maybe. Well,
0: I th- I think that's the answer. <laughs>
1: so if I pick like a darker one for very you. Very dark. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And is that one
2: without lots of people in it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well like one one or two characters. No characters. <laughs> you <want that>? No <laughs> characters. No. Okay. Just something very dark. Is that something you don't like in books? Too many characters? No, it's just <laughs> Like I think,
2: oh, I'm really going to dig myself further into the hole of never getting. You out might as back well; there you're buried, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like on the train, which I also like. I enjoyed the film. No, I didn't enjoy the film because Kenneth Branagh was in it. I did not like any bit of that film. Yeah, God. thank you. Okay. It's just
0: getting worse.
2: <laughs> but it's like when you've got like 20 people; it could be either one, and you kind of think it's them, then it's not them. Then it's, oh, it's actually starting to look lasers through the screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just i'm just sad that that's the one you've seen because it's bag of shit yeah, yeah well okay well put, convince me then that can be your get me an because okay. i haven't read Agatha Christie and i'm not picking her out because it was actually more of the other ones i thought i recommend and then there were none if you've not seen or read it okay. really good really really good really dark and actually the 1943 film of it is really
0: good okay
1: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pursue this i'm gonna keep on talking <laughs>
2: this. things turning up Sorry. in parcels I can... <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> just turn up at your house <laughs> you ready yeah <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: so speaking of you digging yourself into a big hole <laughs> <laughs> just what book would you be buried with while you're in the big hole you might as well just chuck in a book to keep you company <laughs> <laughs> i could kick that soil in <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> Cement. We'll bring them we'll bring the mood
2: up. I'm gonna take this book, which is called Conrad the Factory Made Boy. This oh. is by Christine Nossling. It's a German book. It was written in the seventies. So this was probably the first book I remember reading. And because it was written in the seventies, it's very feminist. Bertie Bartolotti is the protagonist. She drinks, I think she drinks vodka. I haven't reread it recently. But I'm pretty sure she does. And she smokes. There's a recurring theme in what I like. She sounds they, fun, they yeah. They smoke Agatha the Christie, don't they? There you go. They do, they do. <laughs> um, and she's always ordering stuff from magazines, like our modern-day Amazon Prime. And so stuff turns up all the time. And then one day this tin can turns up, and it's a really well-behaved boy in a tin can called Conrad. She's no idea where it came from. It's not supposed to have gone to her. And she's like, oh, for God's sake, she doesn't want a kid, she didn't want children. <laughs> anyway, so she gets him out the can, and she kind of grows to like him, and she, gets, she dresses him in just like flares and like woolly, like baker boy hats, and it's just so cool. And then she, kind of, she grows fond of him, and then there's a chemist, Mr Thomas, I think he's got something different in the German edition, is always trying to interfere. And she's like, I don't need you to interfere. I know what I'm doing. He's always trying to teach him good manners, like, just leave him be.
1: Leave my boy from the can alone. <laughs> can alone. Lee.
2: Super cool. And then then the factory realized what they've done. Oh you know what, there's no seven-year-olds going to be listening to this, While they? go, oh, you've ruined it. You've ruined that 70s novel for me. I really hope there aren't any seven-year-olds listening to this. <laughs> but they, the fact, basically, the people on the factory come back and she says, you have to misbehave because they sent you a well-behaved boy. And if you misbehave, they won't know it's you. And in order for me to keep you, you've got to behave badly. And basically, it's about breaking rules. It's about sometimes in order to get what you want, you have to break rules. And I love that. And that's a book that I read a seven-year-old and I'm pretty sure it's either shaped my life and where I've got to because of this book or I liked it because I was already that and knew what was going to happen.
0: That sounds
1: amazing. That is a really good answer to that question yeah. I have to say we've yeah. had a, th- a couple of like nostalgic picks but that actually sounds like I would enjoy reading that book yeah. today. And
2: I've got two copies of it and she has, like, boobies, big boobies on the picture. And on the second one I got, they put a big label over them, like, that you can't, <laughs> oh. So I think they've <sighs> covered her up for a later edition. But I like the censorship. Thing. Yeah, she's so cool. One of the coolest protagonists I've ever read.
1: I love that. I love how weird it is as well, just yeah, the point in. And that's, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh man, I've got to look after my tin. Yeah,
2: Mr. Thomas from the chems just constantly trying to poke his nose, and she's just like, "Oh, just <laughs> silently." That's her attitude: is just go away, just stop. We're fine. We'll, we'll be fine on our own. So it's kind of like the first single mother as well book I ever read. Well, okay. there's only like seven. But yeah, I think it's probably influenced me in life that you can break rules, you can do stuff. I blame that. I blame that for everything <laughs> that's gone wrong in my life. <laughs>
1: Well, that leads us on nicely to the next question, I think, because <laughs> you can blame this book. Because unfortunately, Ann, you've been sent down to death row mm-hmm. for the, the crimes that that book inspired that you've
0: committed—canning children, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> posting <Open> them. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, like, that is—that would be—that's a good serial killer thing. But yeah, so you—you've been canning children and you've been caught, and also for crimes against cosy crime, you've been sent down uh, <laughs> for blasphemy against Agatha <laughs> Christie. You've been. Set down but the good news is even though you don't really deserve it you're going to get a death row meal <laughs> what would your death row meal be
2: right i've, I've thought more about this and you probably want people to think about it because i know somebody else no. thought really quickly and were like that's really good because normally people think a long time about this no we like it we love food so yeah please. I, I think about it too much and i've thought about like the environment and i'm really squeamish and it's going to smell a bit it's going to be a bit kept, like medically isn't it i'm going to be in a room
0: mm. I see mm.
2: myself in the room with a glass window there where I can see the bed, where the injection thing's going to happen. It's going to smell very clinical, and I get put off food really easily. So I'm going to be a bit squeamish. So, Because my first thought was I'm going to have a Christmas dinner, because everyone wants a roast dinner. I do Christmas mm. dinner. And then I, <laughs> then I thought more. I was like, I'll just see that sat in like my paper hat and my crapper on my own, like <laughs> pulling the by
1: my. by myself.
2: And the little key ring will fall out. That. You have no one to tell the joke to. i will never be able to use that. the key ring that's in there. And I've got a little motto that says, you know, live your life. Life's not here. It's just going to become the most depressing last meal ever. If I can even eat it with the smell of ether or whatever it is that they're going to put into me. And I don't eat when I'm stressed anyway. So I'm not sure. So I'm not sure I'm going to make the most of that roast dinner. So after all that, I'm just I think I'm just going to go chips and curry sauce. Chips and Chinese curry sauce, the spicy one. Mm, I could face solid that choice. Yeah, even in a stinky environment, it would outstink that. the stink yeah. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, because I really imagine myself sitting in that room at the table on my own. Wow, <laughs> curse
1: could... <laughs> <laughs> that! I, no one's ever considered. I mean, we had people consider the environment to a degree, but no one's gone that kind of vivid <laughs> and
0: with it dark, <laughs> quite dark. <Yeah.
1: laughs> I really love the the mental image of you in the room with your christmas hat on
2: yeah <laughs> christmas passed the train that went backwards the microphone would you didn't work
1: would you have worn the hat while they were giving you the injection?
2: <laughs> i'd have tried to because
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking if it was the electric chair that might have impacted yeah, that, some of like the fire. Fire. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah
1: yeah wow yeah that's, that's amazing. amazing
2: yeah i mean what happens when you they inject you. Do you just it like a general anaesthetic? Has anyone ever, does anyone know this?
1: I
0: actually do know this. Um, yeah, a, another dark interest. <laughs> um, until recently, they used to do it in three parts. So you would get what was essentially a general anaesthetic beforehand. But drug shortages mean they don't do that anymore. It's one medicine. It burns quite badly, apparently. And Ooh. you don't lose consciousness for a good chunk of time.
2: Oh, nice. you go yeah i like yeah. i like a general anaesthetic so that would insane oh, love a general yeah. anaesthetic count 10 9 8 yeah gone
1: can you uh, i probably know the answers already you're not allowed to like pre-drug before you go in there and <laughs> bring byo anaesthetic bring your own painkillers or anything
0: no you can't be legally executed if you're not healthy enough what does that mean though oh, i'd be getting really it's...
1: unhealthy in death row <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I could do that completely. I could, I but is it not
1: subjective? What is what's healthy? Yeah, mean? I don't
0: know where the line is drawn, but it's a it's a thing. Interesting. That's
2: put me right off murder now. I thought you got a <laughs> anaesthetic. I thought you've got a nice possible
0: Christmas meal
2: at the worst, chips and
0: curry sauce, and then gremel <laughs> anaesthetic. You
2: can request a firing
0: squad in quite a lot of states still by special request. I think hmm. that'd be the best way to go. Really quick. I think
1: I think the key is just to not get caught. Yeah. Yeah, all I that. Do. Mm. easier said than done i appreciate but that's always the goal isn't it <laughs> <laughs> tv phones have ruined it all oh, yeah. seriously and google yeah. search histories yeah disappointing isn't it
0: cheery <laughs>
1: <laughs> so sally-ann you'll book it out on the 27th of october mm. and available in all good bookshops i'm guessing no it's
2: pre it's amazon so it's digital and paperback and you get it from amazon not in, it's not in in bookshops, it's online. Okay, so either through Joseph's website, I think, or you just go straight to Amazon. You can pre-order now digital, and I think probably in about a week you can pre-order the paperback. <sighs>
1: Exciting! And if people would like to follow you, because why wouldn't they after this conversation? If people would like to follow you no, on I social media, where, fans,
2: that's for sure. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I'm one following you after this, but other people might want to follow instead. So, <laughs> where can they follow you on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter at Sally Ann Martin with a Y dot com? No, is it dot com?
0: That's not
1: right, is it?
0: No. Twitter. <laughs> no. i <laughs> always as That's bad brilliant. as me.
1: At <laughs> least yeah. she knows the name of the podcast. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, true.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, Twitter is at Ann Martin with a Y. I think Instagram I'm just, no, is, is at Ann Martin and Facebook Great. is
1: slightly different, but so I couldn't get my own name. Sally Ann Martin books. Nice. That's also uh, one other thing I just wanted to mention as well, because as, as well as obviously doing all the book stuff, you write a, a newsletter regularly that is brilliant, that I thoroughly enjoy reading every time it lands in my inbox. But um, how often do you do the newsletter? Every two weeks, so every second Sunday. Brilliant, and people can if they follow you on social, they can find the link to sign up. For yeah, that, it's on or... Substack. I think you search.
2: Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, on all of the socials, the, the link in the bio is to the Straits, the newsletter, and you can subscribe from there. Excellent. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's really good newsletter. Sally, Mar- Sally Ann Martin in Substack, it, you'll find it.
1: Amazing. Yeah, so it's really good. She writes, Sally Ann writes about like personal experiences, a bit about the, her book and her research, and just like anecdotes and stories. It's really, really good read. Thank you.
0: Brilliant.
1: Feels like I, sh- I should be nice now after everything you said about <laughs> but, but credit where it's due and all that. A DM later. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Far <laughs> worse, worse.
0: And uh, Frankie, where can people find us on social media?
1: She's doing this because she can't remember. Uh, so, so if you just search the Red and Buried podcast uh, on All Good. Social networks, you will be able to find us and follow us. And if equally, if you want to send a bit of a longer message, you can email us at red and at gmail.com. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Sarianne, it's been so much fun. Oh, to thank, you. Yes, thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> Anytime. Well, that's not true, actually. I'm lying about that because, again, the whole thing is kind of oh, And then there were none. And then there were none. And then there were none. Yes. And will will you come back when you your, your next book yeah. is out so you can talk about the witches? Well. <laughs> yes.
0: Brilliant. Awesome. Mm, I'd love to thank you. Wait.
2: great. Yes. I basically dissed you both I didn't watch Mamma Mia and I don't read Agatha
0: Christie <laughs> <Just> <laughs> knife to the heart isn't it
2: is there's some <laughs> some fine. way this podcast might get um what's the word it gets corrupted and never makes it out
1: no what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it together so it's like I love Agatha Christie <laughs> like piece it all together so I'm like Sally really I've Christie. watched Mamma
2: Mia about 50 times
1: Yeah, Frankie won't do that. (laughs) Meryl Streep is amazing at (laughs) singing, but hey, what Pierce Brosnan is not amazing at singing is he, Sarah?
0: No, he's Uh, not. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for listening,
1: everyone. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Do you like pop culture and top ten lists? If you do, then step inside the Den of Ten. In the den, we have countless top ten lists to captivate and titillate even the weariest soul. We've got lists of films. And there's that famous thing about the, the scene where he improvised his way through smashing his hand and cutting his hand open on the glass as he banged his hand on the table. Yeah. I mean, you can't really say boo to that. Music. The rest of the song is like a, just a swirling crescendo of clever songwriting, amazing singing, great drumming, beautiful guitar effects. Video games. And I think that's exactly what happened with Zelda. It was everything, looking back, is on a much lower resolution to what we see in Breath of the Wild. But as I was playing it, I just felt like my imagination was just going absolutely wild. TV. You know, this is where sitcom verges on the cinematic. Still in a a neat 20 minutes. And the interaction between these vastly different characters is so well realised. And more. Listen to us on all major podcast providers. Find us on Twitter at Den of Ten Pod, where you can like, follow, comment and vote. Or find us on the We Made This Podcast Network at WeMadeThisNetwork.com. We hope to see you soon in the Den of Ten.